All right. Good morning. Uh, before we go ahead and get started with the message, uh, can we just get those who have been baptized today and the elders come forward? We're just going to go ahead and do a laying on of hands. Pray for all right. All right, let's go ahead and bow. Father God, you're just such a great and marvelous God. And God, at this time, we just thank you for these three people, your children who just given their lives for you, a public declaration of their faith, their faith in you and your son, Jesus Christ, and that their forgiveness, the forgiveness of their sins through the cross, and that we do have a promise of the coming kingdom one day and that we can live eternally with you, Father. And God, just ask that you be with these three people. Just let them feel loved. Let them feel your love. Just guide them so they can seek you in your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What a great sight to see three people baptized in one day. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with a small story. So when I was in first grade, so this was a while ago, uh, my family took a vacation. All right, maybe not a while ago as compared to some of you guys out there, but it feels like a long time to me. <laughs> so when I was in first grade, my family, we took a vacation to Walt Disney World. Who's been to Walt Disney World? Wow, a lot of people actually have been to Walt Disney World. I'm surprised. It is an awesome place. I remember having a blast at Walt Disney World, even though, unfortunately, I broke my thumb the day before we went to Walt Disney World. I know, where's the Oz? Come on. I know, I know, sad story. But I just had a blast nonetheless, because who doesn't love Walt Disney World? Everybody loves Walt Disney World. There's no other way around it. And so now imagine... Imagine if I had free tickets to Walt Disney World for everybody in this room. Yeah, that would be some exciting news because who doesn't love Walt Disney World? And the only sucky part about Walt Disney World is it's expensive. Buy free tickets for everybody. Woo! Now, as much as I wish that was true... I'm sorry if you truly believed in me that I had free tickets to Walt Disney World for you, but unfortunately, I just don't have that. <laughs> however, however, we're going to be talking about some great news this morning, news that far surpasses me having free tickets for everybody to go to Walt Disney World. And so last week, we talked about uh, how to prove the Bible is true. We, we went over 10 reasons as to why we can prove the Bible is true, how we can prove to others that God's word, his holy word, it is true, and there is no other truth outside of it. And so defending our faith, we need to, we need to defend the Bible first to defend our faith. And so that's what we went over last week. But now these next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the faith that we are defending, the core and the heart of, of the Bible, of God's word. 
In the heart of our faith, the core of the Bible is the gospel. Now, I'm sure many of you guys have heard of the, the term the gospel, and I'm sure we all know the importance that it has. And we can see this importance in Matthew chapter 24. Oh, would you look at that? I flipped right to it. Matthew chapter 24, and we're just going to read verse 14. Uh, Jesus' disciples uh, came up to Jesus and asked him privately, Jesus, how can we know when the end is going to come? What are going to be the signs of the end of the age? And Jesus talks to them, and we can see in Matthew 24, in verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus told his disciples, before the end will come, the way you know the end will come, the end of the age, is that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. That's the importance that this gospel has, this message for everybody. Jesus and God saw the importance of it, so important that God is not going to send Jesus back to this earth until the gospel has been preached to the whole world, because that's how important the gospel message should be to us. And so the gospel. Uh, the term gospel is synonymous with uh, good news. It just means good news. There is good news. And the Greek word for the gospel is euangelion. Go ahead, say it. Euangelion. There you go. You learned Greek this morning. Bravo. Uh, so this term originally signified an announcement of victory after a battle. So after one nation defeated another, there, there was great news. It was the gospel of UN Galleon. It was good news that this nation would have victory over another nation in battle. It's also known for speaking about the birth of Emperor Augustus. Uh, they viewed his birth as the beginning of good news, the beginning of good tidings. This word, uh, Evangelion, Evangelion, uh, its, its root was not religious. So Jesus, when he took this word, the gospel, and his followers, they had a non-religious word, this phrase, Evangelion. But Jesus and his followers, they used this word from their culture, but they invested it with new meaning, and they placed a huge emphasis on it. And we can see this throughout all of Jesus' ministry. He was constantly preaching the gospel to anyone that he encountered. And now the question is, what exactly is that gospel message that Jesus and his followers were preaching? So I did a little research. I, I looked up uh, numerous Bible dictionaries and how they would define the gospel. And nearly every single Bible dictionary you can look up define the gospel as revolving around the cross and the resurrection. That is good news. And that is so true that the gospel does revolve around the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that's not where it ends. The gospel isn't just about the cross and the resurrection. At the Bible College, Atlanta Bible College, they, teach, they show us how the gospel has three core parts to it. You have the cross and the resurrection, yes, but also the other core part that so many people fail to recognize, which is sad, is the kingdom. The kingdom the cross, and the resurrection. Those are the three core parts of the gospel, of the gospel that must be preached throughout the whole world before the end of the age. 
And so over these next two weeks, we're going to be going over these three core parts of the gospel, the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. Today, we're going to cover the the kingdom, and then next week, we're going to cover the cross and the resurrection. Now, ideally, I would try to cover this in four weeks, talking about the gospel as a whole, and then the kingdom, then the cross and the resurrection as four different weeks, but I'm only here for eight weeks, so we're going to try and cram it into two weeks. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right, so the kingdom. Now, uh, unfortunately, uh, many people uh, don't give the kingdom enough consideration when talking about the Bible, uh, talking about the gospel. And as I saw throughout the many Bible dictionaries, they just failed to recognize the kingdom as one of the core parts of the gospel. And this, this just is not okay. It's not okay to forget about the kingdom, the promises of the coming kingdom that we can live and have an everlasting life. And the kingdom was crucial to Jesus and his followers. And we're going to go ahead and take a look through uh, Matthew's gospel. And we're going to go ahead and start in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be looking as to how the gospel of the kingdom was foundational to Jesus and those close to him. So we can see in Matthew chapter 3, we're just going to read verses 1 and 2. It reads, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So many of us may know John the Baptist, uh, the one who baptized Jesus and baptized many. Well, John the Baptist, his job was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And the way that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, we hear in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, he was preaching, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The foundational message that, ba- that John the Baptist was preaching to the people to prepare the way for Jesus, our Savior, our Christ, and our Messiah, the way he prepared them was by preaching to them about the kingdom. The kingdom was important to him. If we just flip one chapter later, Matthew chapter 4, just going to read verse 17. It reads, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so now this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it says, from that time, from that time of the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent. Why? Because for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the message of Jesus. Jesus' message was all about the kingdom. From the very beginning of his ministry, he's preaching about the kingdom. If you go ahead and flip to Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 5, Jesus is in sending out his 12 apostles, his 12 disciples, those closest to him. And uh, we see in verse 5 of chapter 10, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what we have here is we had John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. As he was preparing the way for Jesus, John the Baptist's message, it was all about the kingdom. Listen, guys, repent. Why? Because this kingdom is at hand. This kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is coming. That was how John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And then Jesus comes along, our Lord and Savior, and his message from the very beginning of his ministry, his message was about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And then Jesus trained his 12 closest disciples, those closest to him, and he trained them and taught them how they should act. And, he, and when he instructed them to go out into the nations to preach, he said, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus by proclaiming the, the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus himself proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus taught his closest 12 disciples to go out and proclaim the kingdom. I don't understand how people can miss this. It's so foundational. Many people have this misunderstanding that Jesus, his main teachings were about his death and resurrection. And we can see in Matthew chapter 16, just a couple of pages over, Matthew chapter 16 from verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So we saw in Matthew chapter 4 from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was preaching about the kingdom. But we don't see until Matthew chapter 16, about two-thirds of the way into Jesus' ministry, it says from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus didn't start talking about his death and resurrection until two-thirds away into his ministry. And we can see how ludicrous of a thought the disciples thought this was, as in verse 22, it reads, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, why would Peter be saying this about our Lord and Savior dying on the cross for our sins? Because Jesus wasn't talking about it. Peter was not familiar with the idea that Jesus was going to have to suffer for our sins because Jesus was not preaching about his death and resurrection. Rather, Jesus himself was preaching about the kingdom of God. And this is beautifully described in just uh, two books over in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we're going to read just verse 43. And it states, but he said to them, Jesus, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus himself said that the reason why he was sent, the purpose why God sent him, it was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. The purpose why Jesus was sent onto this earth, his earthly ministry, his purpose was to preach the message of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus' ministry was all about. That's what Jesus' ministry and those who were close to him was all about. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. This is the core part of the gospel. I just... I can't fathom the idea that so many people leave out the idea of the kingdom of God because that was central to Jesus' teachings. If that was central to Jesus' Jesus's teachings, wow, that's tricky. If that was central to Jesus' teachings, then that should be central to us as well. We are to follow Jesus. We are to be disciples of Jesus. And if Jesus was talking about the kingdom, then you're right, we better be preaching about the kingdom as well, and we can see the importance that the end of the age will not come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the whole world. And so, I hope I illustrated to you that the kingdom 
is a core part of the gospel. And next week we'll be talking about the cross and, resurrec- cross and resurrection. Now the question is, what exactly is the kingdom? We have this idea of the kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about in his disciples and John the Baptist as he prepared the way. And Paul, in many of his letters, he's talking about uh, the, gospel, or the kingdom and John in Revelations, these visions, a lot of it is about the kingdom. And so what is the kingdom exactly? And that's a good question. That's, that's part of the beauty of the kingdom, is that God reveals some information to us about the kingdom. He reveals enough information to us that we should desire and seek that kingdom. But yet God does not show us exactly what the kingdom is going to be like. And I think the reason for that is that we can continue to strive and learn more and seek God's kingdom. Because we, unfortunately, don't have all the answers. But there are certainly, God certainly does provide some answers about the kingdom. We're going to go ahead and take a look at two main passages about the kingdom. So if you go ahead and flip with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, we're going to read in chapter 11. Isaiah, one of the five major prophets. We're going to read Isaiah chapter 11. We're just going to read verses 6 through 9. And it reads, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now we may wonder what, what exactly is this being talked about in Isaiah, this, this This idea that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the child will play with the cobra, this stuff isn't supposed to happen. What exactly are they talking about here in Isaiah 11, 6 through 9? This passage is talking about the coming kingdom, the peace that will be restored in the kingdom, where the the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the child, he will play in the cobra's end because there will be peace in God's kingdom. It seems like when you turn on the news and you listen to it for five minutes, you can't help but hear of great acts of violence happening across the world. And it's sad. It's devastating to see this happening throughout the world. But we have the promise of the kingdom. And through this promise of the kingdom, we are promised that there will be peace. There will be peace restored as there was in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. There will be be peace. We want that. We should seek that. We should desire that. Also, my, my favorite, personally, my favorite passage about the kingdom, Revelation chapter 21. It's the last book of the Bible, second to last chapter. Revelation 21, and we're just going to read verses 1 through 4. And this is John, the writer of Revelation, having a vision. And he says... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. What a beautiful passage describing the glory of the kingdom. There will be a new earth. We will reign on the new earth. We are going to reign, yes, here on, the, on a new earth. Not, we're not going to dwell with God in heaven. We are going to reign with God and Jesus here on this new earth. And God himself, God himself is going to dwell with us. A couple weeks ago, we talked about developing a relationship with God, our daddy, our heavenly father. And we have, we have to pray to seek that relationship with God, praying uh, and we, can, we can't physically see him or hear him at times, but God himself will dwell with us. What a beautiful sight that will be to have our daddy, our heavenly father, dwelling with us in the kingdom of God here on this new earth. And in verse 4 we, say, we see that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This passage brings me great comfort with my grandpa. And I know this church recently going with the loss of Maryland. This passage brings comfort because there will be no more death. Can I get an amen? There will be no more death. Those who give their lives to Christ and God, just as the, our three people today who got baptized, John, Judy, and Don, as they gave their life to Christ and God, they will live eternally and there will be no more death. <sighs> there will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. It'll be a never-ending celebration, this kingdom, this message of the kingdom, this message that was so central to Jesus and his followers. I question why. Why are people forgetting the message of the kingdom? It's such a great message. Not only is it a great message, but it's a message that was on the heart of Jesus. And if it was on the heart of Jesus, it should be on the heart of us as well, as his followers and his disciples. So why are we talking about the kingdom more? Because it is foundational. We do have the promises of the kingdom where the peace will be restored and there'll be no more death or crying or pain for the former things have passed away and God himself, our heavenly father, will dwell with us. Can I get another amen? That's the promises we have in store. When we're talking about the gospel, the gospel that so many people are talking about, the good news that we have, this is part of the core of the gospel, the kingdom, and then the cross and the resurrection as we'll talk about next week. Don't forget about the kingdom. Please, don't forget about the kingdom. It's found all throughout the Bible. It was the center of Jesus' teachings. And there are great promises that come with the kingdom and that we will have a never-ending celebration. Yeah, 
I joked around with you guys that I had maybe had free tickets to you guys for Walt Disney World. And yeah, Walt Disney World is awesome. But uh, when we went to Walt Disney World in first grade, the moments we were walking in, within like the first half hour, my little sister Mackenzie fell and she uh, hit her knee and she scraped it up and it was pretty bad looking. And just 30 minutes into Walt Disney World, I my little sister crying because she was in pain. Walt Disney World seems like a blast to many of us, but it comes nowhere close to the promises of the kingdom. Just a half hour into our trip to Walt Disney World, my little sister was in pain with her knee. My thumb was still hurting really bad because I broke it the day before. We just don't have the promises of the kingdom anywhere else. The kingdom is unique, and it's unique in the way that it's the perfect life for each and every one of us. God loves you. He's your heavenly father. He wants that relationship with you. He wants that relationship with you so bad that he himself is going to dwell with us in his coming kingdom. This is good news. This is the gospel. This is one of the three core parts of the gospel. Again, the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. I want, the, I want those three things to go through your head when you think of the gospel. Because you, if, when you're reading your Bible, you'll see the gospel come up over and over again, especially in the New Testament. And so we have these great promises of the kingdom being the core part, one of the core pieces of the gospel. And the question then is, what are we to do with this information? What are we to do with these promises of the coming kingdom of God? What are we to do? Because right now we aren't experiencing the, we aren't experience, experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom. So what are we to do right now in the present and seeking the kingdom in the future? To answer that, I just want to go ahead and close with one last verse. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse, and we're just going to read verse 33. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We have these promises of the kingdom. What does Jesus tell us to do? He says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We have the promises of the kingdom. So seek first the kingdom. We talked about last week, one of the ten reasons is how we can prove the Bible is true because of the personal testimony that the Bible truly does change our lives. The promises of the kingdom, Jesus is telling us right here, if we, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We have the promises of the kingdom in the future, but right now in the present in our life, right now in the present evil age, we need to be seeking the kingdom of God first. And when we seek the kingdom of God first, just like those three people who were baptized earlier today, I guarantee you, you will have no regrets. I guarantee you, you will partake in the coming kingdom of God that will last forever. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more crying, no more pain or sickness, for the former things have passed away. Seek first the kingdom of God in all that you do, because it is a core part of the gospel, the kingdom of God. Let's pray.
Father God, just thank you so much for the promise of your coming kingdom. God, I just ask that you lay it upon these people's hearts to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first your coming kingdom. God, we love you, and we certainly know that you love us. Father, again, my prayers just help us seek the kingdom of God. God, I just thank you for the lives of those three baptized earlier this morning, giving their lives over to you and your son, Jesus Christ, for the promises of your coming kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.